This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Back once again, going to be joined by my co-host Dan Murphy in just a moment, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. We're going to be talking about this year's PWI poll. It's featured in the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. We're going to go over some of uh, the questions inside the poll and kind of tie them into current events. Uh, some... The, the answers to some of the questions uh, I think would be considerably different if we asked them uh, now versus just a few months ago. Um, that, it tells you how much is changing in wrestling as of late. So uh, we'll do that in just a moment. We also have some news on this year's PWI 500. And uh, later on the show, going to be uh, joined by a special guest, uh, Michael Elgin, who is the uh, latest star to join Impact Wrestling. I got to talk to him by phone a couple weeks ago, and uh, we talk a lot about his decision to jump over to Impact, um, his years uh, spent in Japan, and uh, just kind of generally what he thinks about this latest uh, chapter in Impact's uh, story. So uh, a fun conversation. Uh, stay tuned. Uh, right now, let me tell you about the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I mentioned it features the PWI poll and uh, lots more. On the cover is uh, Kofi Kingston and the other stars of WrestleMania 35. This is our WrestleMania 35 coverage issue. Inside, we've got the real winners and the real losers of WrestleMania, as put together by Dan Murphy. Uh, also inside, he got my hot seat interview with PCO, who had a big weekend uh, over WrestleMania and has continued to be uh, a major player in Ring of Honor, and uh, a lot more in this issue. Uh, if you want to pick it up, the thing to do is to go to pwi-online.com. You can buy the one issue. Or you can subscribe, and if you subscribe, you can get some big savings over off the cover price, uh, more than half off the cover price. Uh, subscribe to 12 issues and get them for $3.33 each, which is really what you were paying for these magazines more than 20 years ago. So uh, definitely worth the investment. If you subscribe to, G to the uh, digital edition, uh, the savings are even deeper, and what's more, you get it uh, a lot faster uh, to your inbox, customized for your mobile device. Uh, so that's definitely worth considering. Either way, go to pwi-online.com to subscribe. Um, we have started work on the PWI 500, the 2019 edition. Uh, Dan and I, again, we'll talk about it a little bit more in just a moment. Uh, but you got that to look forward to and uh, a lot more. So don't miss out. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Um, also, while you've got that computer open, go to ProWrestlingTees.com and pick up your official PWI t-shirt. Yes, the shirt that was around uh, a lot through the 80s, that iconic red shirt with the white lettering. You can have it now. We've got uh, a lot of other colors and styles, too. Uh, go to ProWrestlingTees.com to pick it up. Um, also, uh, you can send us an email at PWI at CappaPublishing.com. Uh, uh, that's K-A-P-P-A Publishing.com. For uh, whatever your questions, concerns, thoughts on the magazine, the podcast, anything else, um, if you've got good thoughts about our podcast, we encourage you to uh, leave us a good review 
on uh, iTunes. Uh, you could subscribe to the podcast there. Um, you could also listen uh, at pwi-online.com. Um, and what else? Follow us on Twitter at official pwi. We get stomping grounds this Sunday, and I hope to be live tweeting it with all of you. Um, so please join us there. All right, joined by my co-host Dan Murphy once again. How are you, Dan? I'm uh, working like a dog for the boss, man. You know, yes. working for the company. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm uh, just uh, just a slave for the, the I don't know, living for the weekend. Whatever <laughs> lyrics you want to use, I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm beat. I'm exhausted. Yes. Working class dog, Rick Springfield. Yeah, and and you, uh, as do I, but I think you more than me, got a big project ahead of you. We have, uh, since we last spoke, we have gotten started on the 2019 PWI 500, right? We have indeed, yeah. We had our first meeting on it. We started the list. Um, uh, and then now it's the challenge trying to fill it all in, rank everybody accordingly. You know, not only do you have to identify the top 500 wrestlers in the world, um, you know, including uh, Japan and the Japanese Indies, including Mexico, including everything that's been going on in Europe. And then you look at Australia and New Zealand and, uh, you know, obviously Canada, North America, you know, uh, but um, not only do you identify those people, but then trying to put them in position of where they should be. It's, uh, it's always a challenge and it's a minor miracle that we do it each year we're able to pull it off but uh as as we're in the thick of it, it it's it's always uh, a bit of a headache yeah i think this year's gonna be kind of interesting they're all interesting and i always think they're kind of interesting uh snapshots in time but this one is uh probably gonna be the last kind of pre-aew era um 500 whatever the AEW era ends up being maybe the AEW era is six months and we'll talk about that shortly when we go into the the PWI poll. But um, because of that, b- because uh, Omega, who was last year's 500, I think slowed down a little bit um, and left New Japan, uh, it it's sort of a, kind of a placeholder this year. Uh, WWE obviously hasn't been that strong, so it's going to be an interesting list. It's like I feel like a, a lot of the top names this year are almost kind of de facto uh, in their place, and, and nobody was really kind of setting the world on fire. Is, is that fair to say? Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And the, the caveat that I think that a lot of people, you know, I'm already looking ahead to the, you know, the, the, the blowback that we always get and the initial reaction and whatever. Uh, Kenny Omega, for example, you mentioned him. He was number one last year. Because he signed with AEW, he hasn't been that active. So right. He's going yeah. to fall pretty precipitously. Um, several other people signed to AEW because they haven't really gotten up and running and they've signed exclusive contracts. Now, by the time the issue comes out, AEW should be, I don't think it'll be on TV quite yet, but, uh, there's obviously more of a buzz now and it's, it's, it's building. You look at Dustin Rhodes, for example, uh, gold dust, uh, Dustin Rhodes. I, I'm, I don't even know if he'll make the list and he had one of uh, a potential match of the year, uh, yeah. at the AEW pay-per-view. A lot of the top uh, we'll, names we'll from, uh, AEW. It. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, yeah. Cody uh, wasn't really all that active. John Moxley, who is now a big star uh, in AW, whatever that means. I mean, he hasn't even wrestled a match there yet. Um, you know, was Dean Ambrose for most of the year and had an okay run. So even on, you know, we had top Japanese talent top the, the PWI 500 the last two years in a row. But you look at that list of, of the upper echelon in New Japan, even they, it's not that they slowed down, but, but it wasn't the year of the dominant champion over there. So 
uh, yeah, I mean, we have to kind of look high and low to, to flesh out that top 10. Yeah, absolutely. So it's going to be a, a very challenging year. And I mean, that's the top 10. You, you, once right. you get into the 300, 400, one of the other things, one of the things that I was uh, kind of really looking at today is I, I did a quick count and um, quick count. That's on, a gimmick we, infringement. <laughs> there you go. Right. Yeah. I stole your count. Uh, you, you can use uh, the straight shooter, whatever <laughs> right. you'd like. So feel free. Straight down. Um, but uh, I think WWE currently has uh, about 150 active male wrestlers on its main roster. And then if you look at the other people who are not contracted or are contracted, but they're in NXT or at the performance center, uh, that number goes up to almost 200. So that's 200 in WWE alone. Uh, then if you look at everyone who's either contracted with ring of honor or a regular with ring of honor, everybody who's with new Japan, uh, AEW, as you mentioned, but impact, and then, you know, outside of New Japan, there's All Japan, there's NOAA, there's Dragon Gate, on the, the prominent promotions in Japan, uh, CMLL and AAA down in Mexico. Uh, Puerto Rico has really kind of fallen off in recent years, but it is still something that we can monitor and, and consider. And then everything that's going on in the UK, uh, not just uh, NXT UK, but in, in the, you know, independent scene there. Um, I know I say it every year, but there's you know fewer and fewer opportunities for standout independents um, who aren't affiliated with AEW or you know uh, Ring of Honor to 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 make the the cut this year. So it's going to be a, a real you know anyone who makes it you know there's not going to be one of those years like you know back in the old days when Donnie Allen at 4.99 or Chicken Neck <laughs> or you know the, the kind of goof guys who, who made the cut. I mean if. Whoever is number 500 is is still a hell of a talent because that's how loaded um, the you know the independent roster is, and it's it's going to be hard for anybody to land a spot in the 500. I wouldn't take anybody for granted. Yeah, and you mentioned whatever whatever it was, 200 or so uh, talent uh, signed to to WWE. Uh, is it fair to say that that some of those folks may not make the 500? Yeah, I think it is. Um, you know because. And it's not, again, what we look at with the 500, it bears repeating the criteria. It's not just how good they are. You know, it's, I mean, somebody like, uh, uh, for example, Keith Lee. Keith Lee has really been, uh, he's an amazing talent. Uh, he may not be the best example of this. If I had the full roster in front of me, there, there might be another one that stands out. But he's somebody who hasn't had a great year yet because he really has just been in NXT and in the Performance Center. He hasn't really gotten that push. Um, so he may have had a better year on the independence than he did once he got to WWE because he's putting in his time, paying his dues at the performance center on, on the women's side. A good example of that would be say like me again, maybe, um, you know, somebody else who, who was very prominent on the Indies and, and then got to the performance center and, and they're kind of starting from the ground uh, and building back up again. So you, you expect those people may not be listed as higher um, or may not be listed as all potentially this year. Yeah, yeah. I think another storyline coming out of, of this 500 is that it it's really been the year of the part-timer, and that affects the list a lot because so much of it has to do with activity. And uh, this isn't really a spoiler, but, but guys like Brock Lesnar, who I think ranked pretty high last year, Chris Jericho, John Cena, um, who else? A, a lot of guys uh, ranking, if they get ranked at all, um, are very much going to be affected by the fact that, you know, these aren't guys working, you know, 150, 200 dates a year. They are special attractions 
uh, at best. And, and again, in, yeah, Undertaker, Triple H, yeah. Goldberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah, and then, and then guys like, you know, Roman Reigns, who, who sure. missed six months or so of the grading period because with the leukemia. I mean, he, he will still be included. He, he wrestled enough matches, and certainly he, he deserves inclusion. But he's going to be lower than he would be, obviously, had he been active all year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it might be a good transition into the PWI uh, poll, which you helped put together. It is how many questions? 50, I think, right? 50. Uh, I just got a, a low-flying aircraft buzzing yes. overhead there. I'm sure. That, yeah, sorry about that. That's right. Um, uh, 50 yeah. of the, the hottest questions uh, facing the wrestling industry. And I was flipping around so, for, so we could sample some of them here, um, talk about what our picks are uh, maybe uh, for these questions and also talk about how the folks who responded to the poll, um, what, what they picked. And one that jumped out at me, uh, number 24 on the list, who do you think will be number one in the 2019 PWI 500? Can I ask you uh, a when again in terms of a, uh, a reference point where you compiling these? It is uh, July 1st of 20, 2018 to June 30th of 2019. No, not, not the, the so uh, technically not the oh, 500 sorry, valuation the, uh, when, when the poll was uh, taken or given. That was in the weeks. I, I can't think of the dates off the top of my head, but we, we sent out the emails and we contacted the subscribers in the weeks leading up to WrestleMania. Okay, so we're um, talking I know like that March. I was compiling yeah. the Yeah, I was compiling all the data uh, – about two weeks before WrestleMania. Yeah. So here's uh, the the breakdown, and we won't give our picks for this because that might be a spoiler. Uh, but the way the fans <laughs> saw it, uh, 36% for Seth Rollins, 28% for Daniel Bryan, uh, 15% for AJ Styles, 5% for Jay Lethal, and 16% uh, for others. I don't think there's anything uh, shocking there. Uh, Jay Lethal, uh, maybe, and and it's one of the things I was hoping to talk about here is kind of Ring of Honor's place in the the bigger wrestling landscape, and and uh, I think I mentioned in their last podcast, but they feel to me like uh, one of the folks who or one of the, the the entities that have really been hurt by not just AEW, but it, it feels like they've really lost their their niche, what made them special, what made them uh, relevant. And guys like Jay Lethal, who uh, is a tremendous talent, um, I, I don't know. You know, when you hear about people discussing the top stars, the top talents, who are the MVPs of, of wrestling um, in 2019, you don't hear Jay Lethal a lot. No, you're right. And, and that is, I, I think, because Ring of Honor has really slipped. Um, it, it was a one-two punch. Well, one-two-three punch, I suppose. Uh, a punch one would be NXT and the success of NXT. And all of a sudden, you know, guys like Roderick Strong and Adam Cole and, and, and not just them, but I think that that won over the old Ring of Honor fan base is all of a sudden here were these names and the style that Ring of Honor had popularized um, with slicker budget and, and part of the WWE under the WWE umbrella. Once NXT really kind of took off that way, it, it took a Ring of Honor took a hit. Uh, both because the fans kind of flocked over there and they lost a lot of their top stars and they were really kind of unable to replace those. Uh, the punch two is AEW, which is now the, the kind of flavor of the month and everyone is looking at that as the big alternative to WWE. And uh, number three, just really kind of bad booking decisions mm -hmm. uh, that Ring of Honor's made over the past six months or more. Um, they're struggling creatively and uh, they're really kind of, they're, they're, they're kicking themselves in the butt. Uh, so I think all those things combined have really hurt uh, Ring of Honor as a whole, as a brand, but also the guys like 
Jay Lethal and the Briscoes, who have been loyal to that company from the get-go. And uh, here they are in 2019 with uh, really lack of quality opposition, uh, not a lot of high-level, uh, high-visibility feuds, and uh, they're really kind of falling off a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I can think of, of uh, many, many times over the last decade-plus where I interviewed either Joe Coff or Carrie Silkin over the years about, uh, you know, you just lost so-and-so talent to WWE. Is this reason to to worry? And, and the answer was always... Uh, no, not at all. This happens all the time. This is what we're in business of doing is creating those next stars, putting them in the pipeline. And, and we understand that they might get siphoned away. And again, it's our job to just kind of keep pumping them out. And um, I think by and large over the years uh, that did happen, but I feel like it's not happening anymore, right? I mean, it, it clearly, I think with, with the Young Bucks um, going over to AEW and the Young Bucks, I think we're, we're fair to say we're Ring of Honor's biggest attraction uh, in some of their biggest years, and, and so in that sense, one of their biggest attractions ever, they had Cody Rhodes, um, in, in, and I think that was really helping prop them up in the last few years, uh, having lost yeah, New them. Japan, too. New Japan, New for Japan sure. Was, yeah, yeah. really kept them going. Yeah, I and, was there. At, New at, Japan, at, not there. Yeah, I, I was there at, at MSG, and uh, I could tell you, I mean, those those fans were not there for, I shouldn't say at all, but... but by and large, they were not there for, for Ring of Honor, and that was clear in the reaction to to uh, the, the stars that came out and, and all of that. But, man, I mean, I, I know we were looking at the Ring of Honor roster pretty closely for the PWA 500, and I, I think they are in rough shape. I mean, I think Matt Taven's a, a fine talent, but, but him being the heavyweight champion I think kind of speaks to where things are right now. Marty Skrull feels like a guy who is waiting out his contract, you know, and until he could jump over to AEW. And then you got some some old reliables like Jay Lethal and, and the Briscoes. And, um, yeah, and it's, Bully it, Ray. Yeah. And the Allure. Yeah, and that when you talk about some of the questionable booking decisions, um, there's certainly a thought that, that some of that reflects uh, Bully Ray's influence on the product um, and, and his perspective and where he's come from. And um, so... Yeah, if it, it's definitely a rough time for them. I I I, uh, I hope they pull out of it, you know. But it's tough because yeah, in, in between NXT and AEW and and all the others, it's hard to kind of point to what their niche is. And I I don't know if the numbers back this up, but it kind of feels like even Impact has been more relevant in the last few months than the Ring of Honor because uh, I I they have been featuring some some names and faces that do feel a little fresher. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, again, I don't know what the numbers show impact still not running a whole lot of shows, uh, but I think they've done a good job of piggybacking onto other promotions. So they, they put out these shows that are kind of jointly promoted with other companies. And I think that's worked for them pretty well. And it's given them the opportunity to showcase some, some talent that, that aren't um, contracted to them. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. Um, let's see. Another another question here in the poll. Um, this one's interesting. And again, I, I'm looking for opportunities to talk about some current events. Um, I think this is a, a question that you ask most years. At press time, Raw was averaging a Nielsen rating of 2.12. Where do you see those ratings a year from now? Uh, slightly lower, uh, got 40%. Significantly lower, 25%. About the same, 20%. Slightly higher, 15%. Significantly higher, 0%. Uh, 
Um, and then there's a similar question for, for SmackDown with the average rating being 1.6. Uh, numbers are similar, except that there's actually no. Uh, people were, were considerably more optimistic here, significantly higher, 70%, slightly higher, 16%. That, I guess, being a reflection of, of the fact that a year from now they'll be on Fox. But uh, at least as Raw is concerned, and, and things have gotten significantly worse, I think, just since you, you asked this question. Um, and, man, when you think of the fact that 25% think that they'll get significant low, significantly lower, I don't know if there's much room to go significantly lower. You know, that, that's kind of a scary concept. That's exactly it. Yeah, I mean, they're already to the point where uh, the, the, the ratings have, have dwindled so much. I mean, you know, let, not even the, the peak, you know, during the Monday Night Waters era, but, you know, even from where they were two, three years ago, uh, one year ago. Um, but they are potentially bottoming out. But I mean, they're it, well. It, it, I think that those are. I think that that's an accurate assessment too, in, in my opinion, my read on everything. I have very low expectations of uh, WWE's raw ratings to go up significantly next year. If anything, the, the trend has been downward. And it doesn't look like there's any real hope on the horizon to think that's going to change. I mean, right now, they're, they're just kind of hot-shotting ideas. The 24-7 title is a nice little gimmick. Uh, the wild card rule, okay, we've got, we've got something. Um, they're, they're trying little things, but there's no direction. It, it's, it's reactive rather than proactive. Uh, you don't have a superstar that's on the horizon that you can look at and say, by this point next year, that guy's going to be on fire. If anything, Becky Lynch is the one who is on fire and she's slowly getting kind of lower and lower every week. She doesn't feel anywhere near as special as she did going into WrestleMania. And a lot of that is, is, is booking. Maybe, you know, she didn't have the, the legs that uh, somebody like uh, Rock or Steve Austin or, you know, John Cena or others have had for sustainability. Um, I mean, it's still too soon to tell. But there's no one real thing on the raw side that really makes it look like things are going to get better anytime soon. No, and, and right, and, and and if anything, um, it feels like they're going to get worse because it, it's not. Uh, by and large, there hasn't been any one uh, uh, incident or one match or one angle that have uh, tanked the ratings. Even though some people point to uh, the the Saudi show last fall, that real questionable decision to go over there as a starting point to where things really kind of went off the cliff. What it is, is, is an erosion and there's no sign of that erosion slowing down. Um, so yeah, you'd think it, it continue, you know, I, I've been uh, listening to some old uh, uh, podcasts and watching some wrestling. And one thing that, that struck me that is really missing now, and I'm not one of these people that um, romanticizes the attitude era that much. I think, I think a lot of that is overblown. Uh, but one thing that existed then and and through time uh, and doesn't now and it's just it's just completely missing is storylines. And I don't mean feuds or, or rivalries or, um, you know, Baron Corbin wants to win the title and Seth Rollins is knocking everybody out with the chair. I mean, like Kurt Angle's got his eye on Triple H's wife. You know, or that kind of thing. Yep. Or uh, yep. uh, Paul Bearer is going to introduce uh, the Undertaker's long lost brother. They were these tangible storylines. Sometimes they were kind of silly and, and hokey, but there was something 
that you followed week to week and you were curious how it was going to uh, develop and, and what the next chapter of the story would be. And there's none of that. I mean, it's just kind of no. generic guys put together. They don't like each other. This guy wants to be, you know, Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. What is their issue? Dolph Ziggler going on about how it should have been him. What does that mean? You know, I... I yeah, well, and that's everything. Those, those are both guys who have been around for 10 years. Yeah. Who wrestled each other in opening cards and what? There's, it's just, eh, it's, it's his turn. Let's cycle him through, whatever. I mean, what I do, I like to kind of check online, and um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be jaded, um, but I'll go to like Reddit, for example. I'll check out the Reddit, res, you know, response to Raw and SmackDown, and see what people are talking about. And one of the things that people were talking about was the uh, Alexa Bliss Bailey uh, segment this week, um, and. People asking, oh, do you think it was a shoot? Do you think it was... So I went back and, and, and watched it because I, I hadn't watched it in real time. And it, do you know the segment, the Moment of Bliss uh, from the other night? On SmackDown? Did you see it? Yes. Is it where Nikki no, Cross it on, it was on Raw, wasn't it? I'm not sure. I was know that? that there was an Alexa Bliss where... Uh, a uh, Moment of Bliss where Nikki Cross got into it with Bailey. And I think that was SmackDown. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, okay. So, and the fact that we can't tell if it was for our fact on the wild card rule, it doesn't yeah. matter. But point is, um, that was what people were talking about. And I, I watched that and what it was where, you know, people were asking at least a few people on Reddit, oh my gosh, was this, was this a work or a shoot? Was this real? Was there bad blood? It was basically Alexa Bliss saying, you know, you were mean to me when I got here. And, and Bailey saying, well, you use people. And it's like, oh my, is this what a wrestling feud is now? <laughs> like, that's a hot feud. That's a yeah. feud that's got people talking. It's what 11-year-old girls do. Like, yeah. it's not anything that, that's going to resonate with the, that, that's going to make people buy a ticket, tune in. There's no storyline. It's because, you know, I felt disrespected. Well, I don't care about your feelings. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. awful. Yeah, and, and the and, irony uh, is it, that, that WWE, like, prides itself uh, these days so much and. Uh, not being wrestling, but being entertainment. And there's even this talk that they're trying to, uh, they might be entering the the Emmys, trying to um, um, get in that mix. And the, the one place where they would be well-suited to imitate regular television and soap operas more is is with compelling storylines um, and, and drama. And there's none of that. You know, you think about even going way before, you know, Attitude Era, the Mega Powers, right? You know, uh, uh, Hulk, Randy, and Liz, and Hulk, you know, it's kind of, he, he puts his hand on, on Liz's bottom to hold her up, and Randy gives him the dirty look, and now we've got something, right? There's an issue here. Uh, there's there's none of that anymore, you know? We need somebody to, like, steal somebody's girlfriend, and uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll or see. Or, like, like, the big show, the big show and the big boss man. Uh, yeah, as stupid talking. as that was, right? It was something that, <laughs> yeah, the, made you tune the into Austin their match. Booker T fight. Yeah, yes. in, in the supermarket. What, and, one I that mean, I thought of, uh, which was incredibly stupid, so so this is not an example of one that was good, but do you remember what Edge and Booker T's feud about was headed into the, the WrestleMania Japanese 18? shampoo commercial. Shampoo, yeah. I mean, shampoo you can point commercial. to it. Yeah, yeah but I, I couldn't yeah. tell you a year from now what Baron Corbin and Seth Rollins' issue I don't know what it is now, you know, uh, much less a year from now. So, yeah, that that's a real problem. Um, all right, moving on. What else we got here? Uh, the, the, the questions near the end of this is where you get into a lot of kind of uh, more political stuff, current event stuff, and, and it's a lot of fun. This is one um, that I thought was interesting, and I don't know that I totally agree with 
all the results. I think some folks have been left out here. Assuming Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and Triple H are the most influential people in wrestling, who are the next five? Uh, 95% said Tony Khan. That's really interesting. Uh, Kevin Dunn, 70%. George Barrios, 45 uh, Katsuhiko Harada, 42, and Joe Koff, uh, 18%. Um, couple names that I would have expected to see there that I didn't, uh, and, and maybe some of these other names take their place. Cody Rhodes, I think, um, belongs in that mix of, of influential, obviously for the same reasons Tony Khan is there, but, but to me, Cody, more than anybody, is the vision of, um, AEW. And I will throw uh, another one that may be a little um, out of the box. Conrad Thompson, uh, the, the podfather. Uh, I, I've mm-hmm. come to listen to m- more of his podcast, The Man Behind Starcast. But um, I think he is, has kind of reinvented uh, what what podcasting is and, and its importance for, for pro wrestling. And uh, yeah, I, I think him having... Bruce Pritchard or Eric Bischoff or Tony Schiavone um, kind of go over important events in history and also uh, give their view on on things happening now, I think has been uh, really influential and, and, and I think has really caught the ear of fans. Yeah, I agree. Those are all good names. Um, I, I think that what, what tends to happen um, in that category is people look at maybe it's the way the question is phrased, but because it begins with Vince McMahon and, and the you know, McMahon family is, is people begin to think, okay, well that covers WWE. Yeah. Who are the other companies that are out there? And that's the Tony Khan and that's, you know, uh, new Japan and, and Joe Koff and so on. Um, and then the other high ranking executives that you hear about in WWE, but yeah, there is definitely with with media, uh, certainly Cody was one who got plenty of votes, not enough to crack the top five or those listed. Um, there weren't a lot actually, though, for uh, for the Podfathers. So uh, yeah, I think that that is uh, some his influence yeah, is definitely wonder, out there, and maybe yeah. that'll continue to grow. Yeah, Starcast uh, Court Bauer was another such a big name event. that came out there. And Who's that? A uh, Court Bauer was another oh, yeah, one that sure. came up, and mm-hmm. uh, some other ones that were out there. But yeah, um, I think that you're right. There are definitely some other people that are below the surface that are kind of developing into more influential roles. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, will AEW eventually be more akin to WCW or TNA at their heights? That's a really interesting question. Um, and 75% say WCW, and 25% say TNA. And you know, it's it's a thing that you can only kind of predict uh, off of relatively little information. Um, I, I think it's fair to say that that what we know and what we've seen has uh, maybe for the two of us to to different degrees ha- have given people uh, uh, more optimism. Um, but you know, I I I remember back in two thousand two when TNA launched, there was a lot of optimism for them uh, too. And I remember the interviews that were out there with Jeff Jarrett and Jerry Jarrett about what their vision was for TNA. And on paper, it sounded uh, a lot of it sounded really good, and in reality, uh, not so much. So a lot of it has to do with with execution. So uh, what's your take here? Seventy five percent versus twenty five percent. People are uh, bullish on AEW. Yeah, I think that there's a lot to unpack with that because WCW, it depends on when you're really looking at WCW. I mean, assuming that we're looking at... Right, uh, it might Monday not even Night be a good thing. Wars, <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. Monday Night Wars there. I mean, 
WCW really began with, with 1991, with Jim Crockett Promotions selling to Ted Turner and TBS. Uh, it really kind of hit its stride in 95 with the beginning of Nitro and then really peaked in 98 with the Monday Night Wars and Goldberg. Uh, and then just fell off a cliff in 99, 2000, and it was out of business by April of uh, 2001. Um, but during that time, in its highs, it was a company that, that was ruling the, the wrestling world. It, it, it captured the public's imagination more so than WWF at the time. Uh, it was really something that was talked about. The NWO was the hottest angle to hit wrestling in, in 20 years, well, at least since the Rock and Wrestling Connection, or, uh, you know, with Hulk Hogan and WrestleMania. Um, and, and obviously Goldberg and, and even to a lesser extent, DDP and everything else, uh, Hogan with, uh, wrestling Jay Leno and, and the, the Dennis Rodman matches and everything else. Um, so we, if you look at it that way from the, the high, then there's definitely a high expectation, uh, for AEW to be able to kind of capture the public's, uh, attention and imagination the way WCW did, but, WCW also had, you know, they, it took them a while to get there. They were trying innovative things that kind of fell on their face in the early 90s. Uh, their house show business was nearly dead in 91, and uh, especially late 91 when Flair uh, jumped to the WWF. And you had the arenas just chanting, we want Flair, and, you know, Barry Windham is your NWA champion that just didn't really go anywhere. Um, so, yeah, they, they were they struggled a lot in the early years under uh, Ted Turner, but eventually became something very big. Uh, and if you look at AEW having that kind of uh, upward trajectory, it, it's definitely something to be very excited about. Uh, the question is whether or not they also have that same downward trajectory uh, at the same point. Yeah. When I compare the two, when I see WCW versus TNA, to me, WCW uh it, they made it right i mean they they were the number one player for 83 weeks and uh, going back and, and watching a lot of that recently you forget how good wcw was in 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 that mid 90s era and not just because the nwo but they were doing a lot right while wwe was doing a lot wrong and i think through today, a, a lot of what we accept now as commonplace in the presentation of wrestling goes back to wcw um, so, yeah. so yeah, I, I think a lot of that stuff holds up really well. And TNA to me is just a company that, you know, could have, should have, uh, had all the, the resources, uh, but never really made it, you know, they, they, uh, that said, I think, um, uh, uh, TNA's actually outlived it. Yeah. TNA yeah. has actually been around longer than WCW. If you look at that, that way, right? But... You know, you're right. I yeah. never even thought of that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Impact at its height, I think, was doing around the same number of viewers that uh, I think Raw is doing now, more or less, that, that 2 million range. So, uh, you know, I, I remember a time where, where I could go see TNA at, at the Westbury Music Center, which is a good-sized arena near me here in, in the New York area, and it was pretty full. So they had their run where they did okay, but, but uh, yeah, t to me that's just... Uh, a missed opportunity uh, by and large. Th this one, this is the very next question um, on the poll, and also really interesting in part because of the timing. Uh, who is the likeliest current WWE star to sign with AEW? Uh, number one is six uh, with sixty percent, Dean Ambrose. Um, number two at forty percent, Dolph Ziggler. Number three, eight percent, Luke Harper. Uh, then we've got Mike Kanellis at five percent, Goldust at four percent, 
AJ Styles at 3% and others at 6%. This is interesting because, as we know, there, there have been a lot of developments uh, with a lot of these guys. We know Dean Ambrose is part of AEW now, as is uh, Goldust. Um, but Mike Kanellis just signed with, with WWE. He's sticking around. AJ, AJ Styles uh, signed. He's sticking around. Um, Luke Harper, word was he wanted to get out of his contract, but I think they're not letting him out of his contract. So uh, it, it, it's interesting. You know, there's certainly rumors about a lot of guys wanting to leave uh, WWE. You know, the most of these kind of rumors, I'd say, since WCW, where um, wrestlers, uh, you know, are seeing that there's there's real alternatives where you could be in the big leagues, you could make a lot of money and, and not have to deal with some of the aggravations of, of WWE. Uh, that's an interesting uh, list. Anybody else come to mind even since then that, that you think is maybe a, uh, a good candidate to, to make the jump? Well, I think there's been rumors about uh, maybe a third of the WWE roster. Yeah. Um, I mean, certainly the revival have been talked about quite a bit. Um, they've got a, a higher role or, or more um, visible role now, more prominent role since those rumors have kind of come out. Uh, but you've heard it really across the board. And I think it's like a, a football player or a hockey player, um, you know, going into free agency. And you, you got to at least test your, you know, dip your toe in the waters a little bit and test the market and see what's out there. And I think a lot of people in WWE are, you know, looking. They, they, they know that um, there's, like I said before, if you have 150 people on the active roster, males only, uh, plus more coming up, and you're always recruiting more at the um, – at the performance center, it's, there's not a lot of time for a lot of these guys to get FaceTime on TV. I mean, a lot of the guys are happy to be just be running around chasing uh, R-Truth for the, the 24-7 title or, or Drake Maverick now. Or, um, but So maybe it is an opportunity for these guys to say, hey, a, a lighter schedule, potentially full benefits. I don't know if that's been floated. I don't know if that's actually going to happen, things like that. Yeah, so, um, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to, speculate on, on others who haven't already kind of hinted at it yeah. on their social media. Uh, Mike Bennett did at one point, or maybe it was Maria Canellis. Uh, Luke Harper has in the here. past. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I think everybody's keeping an eye open on it and, and they'd kind of be foolish not to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another question here that I think is uh, interesting. And I, and again, if I, I wonder if you did a poll again today, whether uh, the answer would be any different. Will Becky Lynch's popularity last through 2019? 55% said no, it would not. Um, and I think it's probably a fair reflection. I, do you think since then uh, folks would feel more strongly that it would not or, or uh, any rebound in, in optimism uh, that could she, she could still be a star by this time next year? Uh, no, I don't. I don't see a lot of reason for optimism because yeah. the thing is, she she doesn't have any good opponents. I mean, she's got Charlotte, uh, but she had Charlotte before, and that match has been kind of played out. Uh, you know, they had their kind of blow off last year going into WrestleMania, and then managed to get Charlotte into the match too with with Ronda Rousey. But losing Ronda Rousey um, has has really hurt Becky Lynch because you go from headlining WrestleMania to feuding with. Uh, I, I'm blanking on her name right now. Uh, the woman. Oh, wow. oh, what's her name? <laughs> I, I am too. What's her name? The Marine. But that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, someone who hadn't though. even had a match on the main roster, who was just coming out walking and whatever for heat, you know, 
And, and then you, you go, you just headlined WrestleMania, and your first main program afterwards is somebody who hasn't had a match yet. Like, well, yeah. What is that? It's ridiculous. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and you know, we went from... Lacey Evans. Lacey right? Evans, right? Yes, that's it. There we go. We, we went from from Becky and the other women headlining in WrestleMania, and and when they did, and this is just two months ago, when they did, I thought it was the right call because I I did think that uh, not just Becky, the combi- but the combination of the three women were the hottest act in WWE, and now I think Becky Lynch pr- is pretty you know firmly a mid card act on on both shows. I mean the thought that. She, you know, you would close Raw or SmackDown uh, with, uh, and I guess it happens time to time, but the segments she's involved in don't feel particularly important or that there's a lot of star power there. And I think we could say pretty safely that she's not going to be headlining a pay-per-view anytime soon. Uh, so, yeah, it's been uh, a, a fairly drastic drop, I think, Um not necessarily in her popularity, but I think as you touched on the the popularity or the significance of the women's division, and yeah, I think a lot of it speaks to to Ronda Rousey, both the star power that she brought and um, her performances. You know, she was just a blast to watch out there. Certainly, in and any match involving Ronda Rousey felt like a really big deal, and she got good enough that those matches were really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's just yeah, how many times can you go back to the well with Charlotte and Becky and now them being in, in different brands? I understand WWE, you know, having to um, slot other women into those spots and and uh, get other ones up and running. But, whew, yeah, I mean, there's just women like Asuka now are, are buried in uh, tag team division. There's some talent down in NXT, but uh, like we talked about in, in the last podcast, I'd almost be worried about calling them up and and hurting them so uh yeah it does feel like to some extent at least for now the the era of the four star plus uh women's championship match slotted high on a pay-per-view or even headlining a pay-per-view uh is is a, a thing of the past that said this typically is kind of a downtime for um wwe right i mean we're WrestleMania is behind us. SummerSlam is still a few months away. Uh, you know, Stomping Grounds is a brand new pay-per-view that doesn't seem to be getting a, a whole lot of uh, priority. So, you know, you don't. I guess you don't want to make too much of it. Um, anyway, a, a fun poll again. We only went over uh, a few questions here, but there are many, many more. Fifty questions in the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. It's the August two thousand nineteen issue. We also have our WrestleMania coverage in here and uh, a lot more. So uh, go and check it out. Uh, Dan, thank you so much. I'll let you get uh, back to work. Uh, do I have to? I prefer <laughs> yeah. not to. I, we both do. Yeah. I think I'll go for a walk. I don't know. <laughs> All, All right. right. Either that or I'll just uh, jump back into the 500 and see where I can uh, get everybody slotted. All right, man. Thanks so much. All right. Take care. Take care. Want to thank Dan Murphy for the lively conversation, as always. Right now, want to hear another conversation I recently had with a man who has worn the heavyweight championship in Ring of Honor. He's worn the Intercontinental Championship in New Japan. And as of a couple months ago, is the latest star of Impact Wrestling. And he's going to be challenging for their heavyweight championship against uh, Brian Cage at Slammiversary. It's Michael Elgin. So let's talk about uh, you uh, joining up with Impact um, a couple months ago. 
uh, when when you made your appearance. I think it was a, a surprise to a, a lot of fans. And um, I think the reality is, you know, you're not not hearing that many big names being signed uh, by Impact. Uh, I think in part because a lot of them are already signed up, and and also because the reality is that um, as, as a company, they they've kind of shrunk some in the last several years. So I imagine the days of them going after uh, you know, the Jeff Hardys of the world or the Kurt Angles of the world um, uh, won't necessarily uh, happen for a while. Uh, what was it for you that, that made this the right decision? Uh, there was a plethora of reasons. You know, one was uh, the last, you know, four years since my son was born, I was in Japan and I missed a lot of his life. Um, and then other than that, you know, when I was trying to figure out where I thought I wanted to go, I looked at everywhere. You know, what the landscape was, I watched hours and hours of the weekly TV products that were out there. And the one that really stood out to me was Impact. You know, I think that on the whole, the majority of the show was based around competition, was based around pro wrestling, was based around who wants to be a champion. And to me, that's what wrestling about. Um, you know, growing up, I wanted to see world title matches. I wanted to see everybody buying for a championship. And I felt that Impact was doing such a good job of making, you know, the X Division Championship, the Tag Team Championship, the Knockout Championship, and the World Championship mean mean something to everybody on the roster, which means it means something to everybody watching. And then not only that, if you look at the talent pool, man, they, uh, you know, they've done a great job of getting a good mixture of people who everybody knows, and then a great mixture of people that are on the up and up and coming up and people are going to see very great matches out of them. And uh, it was just a roster that I wanted to be, I wanted to tangle up with and get in the ring with. So I thought that the best place for me to be right now was impact. Did, did you do anything with um, impact when, when they were TNA and, and under kind of the Dixie Carter years? Did, did you have any involvement there? Uh, no involvement. No. Um, I had talked to them in 2000, 16 when I was deciding whether I wanted to sign with New Japan or not. Um, so it would have been late 2015, sorry, that I was speaking with them. But, you know, at the time, the New Japan deal was better. And uh, Japan was something that I'd always wanted to to accomplish in my career. And I felt that if I'd given up the opportunity to sign with New Japan, I would have only done two tours. So I needed some more time there before I made uh, made a choice to join somewhere in the States. Back when we talked in 2016, this, was this already after Dixie Carter? Was this uh, the like the, the Billy Corgan era? No, it, Dixie was still in charge. Oh, really? Okay. Um, yeah, it would have been late 2015, so she still would have been in charge. Yeah. What do you remember? I mean, I guess what I'm trying to get at is is contrasting um, the the TNA of then versus the impact of of now. And, and granted, I mean, I guess you'd only be judging from a, a, a couple conversations. But what was your sense of uh, what the place is like, how it's run, the attitude, um, both in the locker room and in the office? Is it, does it look to be a good deal different from what you remember when you talk to them? Yeah, you know, it really does. Um, from, you know, the, the brief conversations I had with the office then and then uh, the conversations I had with the office that led me to join them now, um, it definitely was different talking with them. And I feel that there was a big difference in even just watching the product. As I said, I feel that Sometimes the people that are, you know, running wrestling shows sometimes try to make it about everything else but the wrestling. And 
as I said, I'm not a huge fan of that because I grew up a wrestling fan. And, uh, pro wrestling is, is what I loved, and the pro wrestler is what I always wanted to be. I didn't want to be a sports entertainer. So I feel that, you know, Impact has just done such a great job of kind of going back to that athleticism-based pro wrestling um, that not only is the dealing with them differently now, but the, the product is much different now, too. Yeah, yeah. Were there any concerns on, on your part about, uh, and, and I've talked, you know, even to, to Dom Callis and, and some of the, the decision makers over there about this, and I think everybody's pretty candid that this was a, when when um, Anthem took over the company, they were taking a lot of baggage with it, and, and um, there's still some work to be put into to clean some of that off. So was there any concern about this that, you know, uh, that that you're coming into what was once TNA and and everything that that meant. You know, the, I, I wasn't really concerned, and the only reason I wasn't concerned is I've known Scott Demore, Don Callis, for so long, and they really know what they want to do, and they really have a great grasp on pro wrestling. And I feel that yes, it is going to still take some more time, but. I think that they are the two guys that you want in charge of something to turn it around and, and make it something truly special. I think they've done a great job since they've taken over. As I said, I watched hours and hours of products out there, and Impact was definitely one of them, and I watched it. And it just was amazing what they've done with the company and, and how they've put the focal point on the wrestling again. And I really think that, you know, as time goes on and that kind of baggage is left behind and it keeps growing and keeps getting better and better. I think that the more people that give it a chance are going to be blown away by what they're doing. And I think, you know, even in just the last couple of months, I've seen a big turnaround of a lot of people that I saw not really talking about impact, talking about them again. So I think that, I think that we're on the right path of making it something really special. Yeah. I, I've heard people speculate that, that, um, their interest in coming over impact and in part was that you could come in and, and kind of immediately be a big player, immediately go to the, the top of the card and the, the kind of whole uh, big fish in the small pond um, argument where you're coming out of new Japan, which is this, this huge organization internationally. Um, but you know, you, you weren't at the top of the cards. Uh, so was there something to that? I mean, were, were you interested in, in returning to being a main event player in the, the heavyweight title mix, that kind of thing? You know, the main focal point was new competition. I felt like I was just treading water a little bit in New Japan, and there wasn't a lot of new competition there. As I've been there for four and a half years and had worked with so many guys. And, you know, outside of really Ibushi, um, I'd worked with everybody. And it wasn't so much just being, you know, the big fish in a small pond, because I think if you look at the roster with Impact, those are top guys. Their top guys are top guys anywhere in the world. You know, you're Brian Cages, you're Johnny Impacts wrist swans they're all such great talents and, and amazing that they could be in the top of card anywhere and you know not as a egotistical way or anything i feel that my talent in the ring proves that i can hang with anybody and i believe i have you know i'd be wrestling at new japan and come to the back and ask for critiques and all i'd be told is no it's a great match like keep doing what you're doing and uh it just wore on me traveling so much and, and being away from my kid that it was time to get a home base in the States so I could be more around my son. And that was the real deciding factor was, you know, new competition and being home with my son. And 
you know, if anybody looks at it and goes, oh, big fish in a small pond, then uh, they really don't know the small pond thing. Because if you look at the roster, you know, man, there's very few people there that wouldn't be a top guy anywhere they go just because of the talent, you know. So, yeah. It, but it's, it's a think, young uh, roster, though, right? I mean, I imagine you come in there with, uh, and, and you're still a relatively young guy, but I know you started very young. So with, with what is 16 years of experience, I imagine you're you're near the top in terms of just experience, and and you mentioned it there, and, and I've heard how how even you know after all these years you you still like to ask veterans to watch your match and and critique it. Um, can you can you get some of that an impact? I mean, are are there guys that you walked into that that locker room and you felt you can learn something from them? Absolutely, you know I think that you can learn something from everybody, um, and even though it looks like a young roster because so many people are are very young, you know, a lot of the guys that you would look at and say like a young roster have been around a long time, you know, like uh, for instance, the North, Ethan Page and Josh Alexander. I mean, they started 2005, 2006, you know, because I was in the scene of Ontario when they started. So they've been around a long time too. And um, whether they would be considered more experienced than me, guys like that, or a guy like Brian Cage or Johnny Impact, you know, I mean, Impact had a long run within WWE and has done so much in his career. So there's definitely still a huge talent pool there just from the wrestlers that can give you a different look of what you're doing. And then also, you know, the agents they have and then people within charge have been around wrestling so long. So it's definitely a great talent pool as well as people in control that can give you feedback on everything. You know, um, I think anybody that has went through wrestling training and and done shows and and been on uh, a television product has some kind of knowledge that they can see something that you don't necessarily see. And that's always good. Yeah. The the flip side of that, um, are are there guys there when you came in who um, you sensed are looking to learn uh, from you, I, 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 uh, I saw an interview where you talked about the, maybe one of the problems um, that, that you see among kind of the younger generation is that there's not a lot of uh, wrestlers asking other wrestlers to, to watch their matches. Um, have, have you seen that kind of curiosity and that interest and, and wrestlers maybe looking to you with, with your experience um, for, for some guidance? I mean, I don't know if they're necessarily just looking to me, but I definitely see a lot of people asking me and others to watch their stuff and, and what they think. and it's a very, like, I think we all, as I said, I've only done a handful of tapings by now, but it really feels like it's a team. You know, everybody's sitting watching the monitors. Even if you're getting ready for your match, you're watching the monitors, and you always want to give people feedback. Um, and there definitely is a lot of people there that have asked. You know, there's Josh Alexander and Ethan Page that I mentioned, but we also go back a long time, so they always ask for advice. Uh, um Jake something, who is uh, Jake Dina, uh, he always asks. Uh, Hakeem Zane always asks. Um, the Rascals and Ace Austin always ask. So there's definitely people who who are definitely looking for feedback, and not just for myself, but everybody within the roster. And everybody within the roster is definitely willing um, and wanting to help and watch and, and see where they can kind of give some input just to make it overall the best wrestling product out there. So. Um, there is definitely a handful of people that are specifically asking me, but I see them asking a lot of people, and I see a lot of people paying attention to to what's happening, which is great. Yeah. 
I, I sense it's kind of a real interesting time for, for wrestling, and, and, and part of it's been captured in the last couple of weeks with, you know, the explosion of AEW and the success of Double or Nothing, and um, that, that interview with, with John Moxley last week where he, he really kind of exposed um, some of the, the issues in, in WWE and, and the frustrations he had there. And it seems like for the, for the first time in, in a long time, uh, wrestlers are maybe realizing that WWE is, is not necessarily the, the be-all, end-all, right? I mean, you, you hear wrestlers from when they start, but that dream is one day working for WWE, one day, um, you know, working at WrestleMania. And it feels like there's a change um, uh, going on now where, where wrestlers realize that they can get everything they want, the fulfillment, the money, the fame, um, all of that, and not necessarily have to, to get it from WWE. So do you fall into that, and, and do you think there's something to that? I mean, do you feel that kind of change in the air? Yeah, you know, I think that change has been going on for quite a while. Um, you know, I think I felt it when I went to New Japan even in 2015. Uh, you know, it might be on a broader spectrum that more people are realizing it. I think there was definitely a lot of us who felt that already back then, you know, and I think that's why guys like Kenny Omega stayed with New Japan and why the Bucks went to Ring of Honor and, and why Cody had left and went to the, the Indies and did Ring of Honor in New Japan. You know, I think it's been, it's been happening for quite a few years now, but I think that the more John Moxley's and guys like that, who uh, kind of bet on themselves, that it becomes more apparent when it's guys who have been in the system and realize that leaving the system is better. You know, it's kind of always a little bit more eye-opening than the people who had the opportunity to go to that system and uh, pass it up, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've always understood talk to, to wrestlers who, who are parents and parents of young kids in particular. Um, uh, I've got young kids, and, and I know when, when even if I'm stuck at work late, um, I've got to go to a, a function tonight and won't be home to, to tuck my kids in and that kind of thing. Uh, but that's challenging. And, and you talked about, you know, being in Japan and, and uh, having your, your son growing up here um, and missing so much of that. Uh, you talk a bit about, I mean, was, was it, was it hard to focus on, on your work and, and all that when, when you knew you were missing out so much at home? You know, I didn't find it so much hard to work because I knew that I was doing that to provide for him. You know, the whole point of, joining New Japan was because it was a better offer than any other offer I had on the table, and it was a way to support him. Um, it obviously sucked, the fact, you know, that I missed two out of three of his birthdays, I missed his first steps, I missed his first words, and that's always going to be tough for me. But, um, you know, I looked at it as, even though I was gone, I was doing something that, one, I loved, and two, something that helped me provide for him so he doesn't have to go without. So... As challenging as it is, it was also rewarding because I was at least able to, you know, provide for him what he needed in those years. And now, you know, that he's a little bit more, you know, he's talking more, he's, he's understanding more. At least now I'm at a time where I can be home a lot more with him and, and see these years as he grows up. Yeah. Is he still playing with the wrestling figures? Yeah, a little bit. You know, he moves on from them. Um, he's really into... Um, Secret Life of Pets and Winnie the Pooh right now. Once in a while, he goes back. Yeah, I had uh, I, I got two boys, and um, 
my older son, when he was most into wrestling figures, he was probably like two and um, he loved them. And I, I, I heard an uh, interview you gave where you talked about him just carrying him from room to room. And I can really relate. I, I, I saw the same thing with, with my kid. And, and you were a big fan of, of figures growing up too, right? Yes. I mean, I still have boxes and boxes of figures uh, yeah. around the So, um, yeah, I grew up uh, uh, playing with the old LJNs and then joined um, like a Facebook group recently of collectors and didn't realize like there was this whole community that was so into it and they restore them and they make customs and that they're really valuable. And so yesterday I, I unearthed a box from my basement that I hadn't touched in, in years and I probably had 50 LJN figures in there. I was surprised what good shape they were in, some really rare, run, rare ones that I didn't even know I had. Um, do, do you have the, the old LJNs? And, and, uh, I, I, what's, I, have, uh, I have all my LJNs displayed in my basement, and I have entire WCW glue collection in the box, and I have the oh. majority of those in the box on my walls in my basement. What's your, your favorite collection? Uh, I love the WCW glue ones just because there was very little of them, and the UK exclusives were really hard to get and they were just cool figures i thought yeah the glue ones were um really well detailed i remember for the time and then when wcw put out that next one like in the mid 90s um they were like they couldn't have been more different they were so sloppy and the colors were really ugly you have like these very unnatural skin tones but those glue ones were almost like these little statues i remember that they were they were so detailed and and precise. Yeah. I, I love the, uh, the, the, the they're they've been played with over the years. So yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent. All right, Mike, thank you so much for for taking the time here. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we will. But what what's the information we want to get out there? Man, you know, I'm all in with impact. You know, pardon the pun of, of using that with the, what's going on with wrestling now. But you know, that's my main focus and. Um, I think the tapings this week are going to be tremendous. You know, I was, I debuted at the Rebellion pay-per-view in Toronto and was there for those TV tapings and then the TV tapings in Philly. And it really is some of the best wrestling I've been able to witness. And um, I feel that I'm motivated more so than ever now, and I'm going to put on the best matches possible. All right, Michael, thank you so much. Appreciate you taking the time. No problem. Thank you. All right, man. Best of luck.